I'm nervous about this one. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Why are you nervous? Because over the years, we've had some movies that have included the Catholic Church, and your views on said church have been a little bit, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but like... I just feel like we're in a bit of a minefield here is all I'm saying. You're worried that I'm going to have some firm and strong beliefs about organized religion, in particular the Catholic Church. Well, while we were watching this movie, you were basically putting stuff on characters that we saw no evidence of. I think you're kind of just like dealing with your own thing here. I mean, there is a long history. You of refer both- to the one guy as Father McRae. <laughs> That guy definitely has... We don't see him do anything like that. No, but that's what he's repenting for. Have you? Do you see <laughs> the scorn in his eyes? That that man is doing some work because he has done some bad deeds. The point is, I'm nervous. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today, we are watching a movie that was informally recommended to us a whole bunch of times. We're talking about the Velocipaster. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, it's like a Sharknado adjacent. I don't know. This thing's not a fucking real movie, right? No, I mean it is a movie, and we did it watch exists. it. Um, yeah, this is a hard one for us because we tend to try to stick to movies that got theatrical releases. Yeah, yeah, and this one definitely falls in the CD like movie range here, right? We've watched stuff like that before. Don't make us sound like fucking movie snobs the way you're a beer snob. Like this is, you know, (laughs) I love that you're putting this on me that you're deflecting here. (laughs) If anyone's a movie snob, it is you, not me. What Um, are you talking about? I accept all movies in their fulsomeness, especially ones about pastors who turn into fucking t-rexes yet they call the movie velocipaster well that's that's a whole other thing and we are going to get into all of this but before we do as always we have paired the movie with a beer that we are going to enjoy today while we discuss it what are we drinking today noel (laughs) yeah we struggled for a little bit this has been asked for for a while this movie right like we've had lots of requests from oh you guys have to watch this you have to watch this yeah so we've been looking for a dinosaur-based beer for a while, and we found one for Tammy in the T-Rex, but have kind of struggled since then. Well, yeah, but as you rightly pointed out, we were in Pigsbury this past summer. I'm like, oh, we got to find our dinosaur-themed beer. You were like, we're going to a fucking brewery called the Church Brewworks. For some reason, I completely ignored the religious side of this. It was very focused on dinosaurs. <laughs> so we we made this work by visiting the church. Clearly, this is called Velosa Pastor, and the pastor works in a church. This beer is from the Church Brewworks out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This place has been around for a long time. They started mid-90s and have been producing craft beer for quite some time. They took an old Irish Catholic church. I think it was mostly Irish and Catholic Pittsburghians. What do they call it? What are the people from Pittsburgh called? Yinzers? The most, yeah, the (laughs) Yinzers. They took the Irish Catholic Yinzers church, and unfortunately the church closed down, I guess, and it turned into or had been repurposed into this brewery. It's really neat because, like, there's still pews in there. You still have all the old stained glass and the ceiling and this sort of grandeur 
I rail on organized religion, as you know, so and you're worried about, yeah, yeah, you're afraid of that. But what is not something that I like? Am the architecture? Upset by? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. They created, I mean, when you steal all the money and stuff, it's easy to create really oh, cool spaces. Jesus Christ. I apologize, everyone. <laughs> no, uh, let's focus back on what's important, which is this Okay, brewery. okay, hold on. I know. It's very unique. It's very, very cool. Um, I, I really enjoyed the visit there. The food and beer we had was awesome. I would say their styles tend to be a little bit traditional because they've Very, been around yeah. since 1994. It seems like they're not as modern as some of the breweries we drink on here. I well, and by that, I was going to interrupt you and say, by that, I think you mean there aren't a ton of IPAs. Yeah. No. Which I liked very much. <laughs> it is traditional styles. In fact, the one we are drinking today is a German Pilsner. It's called Celestial Gold, and I could not be happier about that. Yeah, and I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. I was really impressed with their Dunkel. Yeah, and that, speaking of fucking traditional styles, and that's not one that historically I have enjoyed very much, but the one they had there was very strong. Yeah, I brought a bunch of that back and enjoyed it tremendously. So I, I really enjoyed the beer there. Um, they do a really good job with the traditional styles. The owner was super nice, came over and made sure that everything was good, and even shared with us a little bit about a meteorite they used for one of their traditional beer styles, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a ton of history there. It's a very unique place, like I said. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, definitely check out the church. It's worth visiting for sure. And uh, I am thrilled to be drinking this Celestial Gold today. What do you say we crack into it? Let's crack it open. <laughs> Before we begin, a title insert tells us that this film was rated X by an all-Christian jury, which is just a great historical callback. <laughs> We've watched a lot of black exploitation yeah. movies here in the podcast. Are you familiar with that uh, rated X by an all-white jury? No, I would like you to explain. Okay, so basically, Sweet Sweetback's badass song, which is widely considered to be kind of one of the fathers of black exploitation cinema, received an X rating and started marketing itself as rated X by an all-white jury as a way to encourage black audiences to show up. So this is a nice kind of throwback to that. I pop for that as a like a movie nerd, but yeah, you might did not get the reference clearly. No, I laughed that it was rated X. I didn't understand the all white jury message, but you can kind of tell that this movie is made by film nerds. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that because there's plenty of um, choices and uh, sort of like allusions made in here to other stuff. Uh, from this warning, we get the end of a sermon where a priest regales us with a tale from the book of Job. We get some very suspect camera work as the pastor walks outside where he spots his parents on the street. He waves at them and they wave back. But just then we hear the audible sound of an explosion and we cut back to where his parents were standing only to see an empty parking space and an insert saying VFX car fire explosion. <laughs> I mean, talk about setting the tone early. And this is, again, sort of a film nerdy moment, right? Where they know what's supposed to happen there, but don't have the budget to do it. So instead, they just put a text insert. Or they're implying they don't have the budget. I grappled with how much of this was intentional versus not. There's a lot of winking at the audience, I think, in this thing. Oh, definitely, for sure. But this is a nice way to start, I feel. It's always great when a pastor's parents are blown up in a car <laughs> That's fire. That's not what I meant. I meant the VFX car fire thing you uh, you're so worried about how i the, was gonna come in uh, yeah. and here you are <laughs> just saying that pastor's parents should all that's die in a fire at all that's how said. it's going the priest is despondent after this almost as despondent as i am that we didn't get an actual low budget car explosion uh but luckily an older priest is there to uh comfort him i'm starting to question my faith it's because your world has changed 
You should travel, Doug. Discover how others live. I think it'll do you good. And that exchange launches us into the opening credits as Pastor Doug heads out in his spiritual journey. Was it my imagination or was the older priest maybe trying to liquor him up here? Oh, goodness, it was not your imagination. Yeah. He tells him that what parents do is die, and then <laughs> that, yeah. like, that's literally what he says, and then he tells him that he should go on a bit of a spiritual journey. You were shitting on me earlier in this movie, but clearly Pastor... What's his name? Father Stewart. Father Stewart is giving off rapey vibes here. Listen, I think maybe he just knows that the best way to get Doug to relax is by plying him with alcohol. Doug has gone to Father Stewart for guidance. And the kind of guidance that, that Stewart wants to provide is one in which I'm uncomfortable with, one in which most of society deems wrong with an alcohol-induced and power-based relationship. Why is the guy just to Doug's ass? Yeah, I think so. And that's the issue that I have with Pastor Stewart. Pastor is what I'm going to call him from now on. Oh, my God. Um, but he does, after some like bad touch, send him on a spirit journey. He does. And soon Doug reaches his destination, and it's China, according to what he tells us in the uh, insert anyway. This looks more like the woods of Michigan or something like that. They absolutely <laughs> do not look like Chinese forests. No. Immediately, I was calling this shit out. The part that got worse is this same forest was used for like 70% well, we're gonna get of this to that movie later. setting, yeah. and I'm angry already. Well, there is a Chinese girl there, though. That lends credence to this, but she's being hunted by a mysterious man who shoots her through the chest with an arrow. Doug witnesses all of this and runs to her, where she gives him a fateful warning. Destroy it, or they will hunt you forever. And the it in that sentence is a strange claw, and in Doug's haste to get away, he cuts his hand on it. Now, as far as superhero origin stories go, I've got this as about a 3 out of 10. <laughs> you mean being in a Michigan forest, seeing an Asian woman... It's China. The title seeing tells an Asian woman impaled by an arrow, bleeding out, trying to communicate to you that you need to destroy this, yet grabbing it and turning into a Velociraptor ninja yourself... Well, you think that's not a legitimate origin story here? How are you going to destroy it if you don't take it from her? He's got to take it from her, but it's sharp, I guess. He takes it from her. He cuts himself, and we have a bit of like a sweaty flashback kind of moment as he embraces the Velocipaster. Or was it all a dream? Well, Because he wakes up uh, the next morning, and we learn that he's been having dreams like this many times before when that older priest, Father Stewart, comes in to provide him with some support. Now, Father Stewart also has some thoughts on why this keeps happening. It's no wonder this haunts your dreams. What did that Chinese say? Dragon warrior? Stuart here is not doing himself favors by calling her that Chinese. <laughs> it does not make him look It's good. lending credence to some of my theories about him, I would say. <laughs> um, what's interesting, though, is the only time we see that artifact, the one that cuts his hand and starts all these problems, is in that scene. We never see it again. It never comes back no. ever again. So what tells us that he didn't destroy it or where it went? Like, there's nothing to say that something happened to that thing. Or was it all a dream? I'm still not convinced. Uh, Pastor Doug is also really struggling here. So he runs out into the street where he and we are going to meet some secondary characters. There's Carol, a hooker with a heart of gold. We see her give some money to a homeless guy. And also her pimp, who introduces himself. Now, what's my name? Frankie Mermaid. And why is my name Frankie Mermaid? Speak up, Carol! So I'm gonna give you the fucking boot! Because you're swimming in bitches. You're goddamn right! I guess he actually has Carol introduce him. I don't know what is going on right now, but I love it. We blew our top on this one. How about Frankie Mermaid? It comes out of nowhere. 
Like, we are having this strange, like, Catholic ninja experience, and then all of a sudden, Frankie Mermaid comes out <laughs> and throws a swimming in bitches line, and we just fucking lost it. Like, it was out of control. This is a bald man with, like, a pretty strong perv stash and an egregious comb over. Oh, God. And he's yeah. got the long hair coming out the back, and his outfit is just. Pimptastic. It yeah. is pimptastic. Yeah, they yeah. are leaning hard into the pimp stereotypes here with Frankie Mermaid, and it's pretty funny. Carol herself, though, eh, we're going to find out a little bit about her soon, but we know that she's willing to, like, do some stuff to help others. So maybe there's something in here that's redeemable about her. Pretty ordinary looking lady. Yeah, she looks like a regular brunette woman. Although she has kind of intriguing eyes. Uh, she's got something. There's yeah. a bit of a sparkle to her that, I mean, the pastor is going to run into soon. She's a binary one. <laughs> Out of your would I, wouldn't I scale, you would That's I. not how that scale works, necessarily. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> that night we get Pastor Doug running through the forest doing his best Wolfman impression. Uh, and yes, this forest is looking an awful lot like China. Uh, wouldn't you know it, Carol just happens to be walking through the same forest. I guess she's looking for some woodsman johns. This does not seem like a high success area. Well, unless you want to see a mugger get eaten by a paper mache T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back in China Forest. It's the same forest from before. And this time, Carol, our woman of the night character, is there. And she gets threatened by a mugger. He pulls what looks like an actual gun on her and tells her to take him to the money. And she tells him that he would have to go to the pimp and it would fuck this other guy's world. But he, this robber, is not taking no for an answer. Until who shows up to save the day? Well, I already said it's some sort of dinosaur creature. <laughs> well, to be honest, Pastor Doug shows up and then all of a sudden turns into the Velocipaster. The problem I'm having here is instead of looking like a Velociraptor, it clearly looks like a paper mache T-Rex. Oh, it is not even a little bit of Velociraptor. It's 100% a T-Rex and like a five foot tall T-Rex. A very short and its arms are probably proportionally too long. It does, however, nitpicking. maul know. the shit out of this robber and saves Carol from the attempted assaulter harm here. A hundred percent. Unless this was also a dream, it's not totally clear because in her next scene, Pastor Duck wakes up again and I immediately was like, ah, oh, fuck, he dreamed this whole thing. But no, it turns out he's in Carol's bed. She enters the room with a cup of coffee and I love, love the way he greets her. Hello, my child. <laughs> did he f this hooker because it sure seems like it uh, things are pretty interesting here right our pastor who had some trouble after his parents were exploded in front of him went on a journey quest to china grabbed a tooth that turned him into a velociraptor pastor. wasn't it a claw it was a claw i don't know if it's a it claw was something or it doesn't matter i'm not sure yet despite that he looks like a t-rex killing robbers in a local forest and winding up in a women of the streets bed i think you're selling carol a little short here giving her the calling her hooker is a little bit strong i mean she's pre-med she pre said she's a hooker she's just doing that to pay for med school law school that's you know what yes her her tale of struggle is quite inspiring as we go through this uh, it turns out that uh, the priest did not nail Carol. We find that out immediately. He just transformed into a dinosaur and ate someone. And in my books, this scene is noteworthy for two things. First, the aggressive use of zooms the director of photography employs here. And second, the fact that he denies her version of what happened last night because dinosaurs never existed. Is it too early to give this thing a crit 20 or... <laughs> 
I mean, that's not even going back to the kill scene where the dinosaur <laughs> clearly bites a mannequin. It's a hundred percent a mannequin. It also looks, the, the robber like has hair, oh but the mannequin God. head is completely bald and could not be more of a mannequin head. This shit is ridiculous. It's pretty funny. What I like about this sort of scene here is they make it a little bit gray at the start, whether they. F- and the pastor is having troubles with this. He's like, Was it your first time, too? Y- yeah. Well, as I said, I'm a priest. So we can never say it. Wait, what are you even talking about? And I thought that that was pretty funny. I like that kind of section there. Well, put yourself in his shoes. Let's imagine you've never had sex before, and then you finally do, and you can't remember it. Isn't that kind of like a nightmare in a lot of ways? I guess, especially if you were a dinosaur for part of it. I think that's what made it novel for our Carol character. She was like, I haven't f***ed a T-Rex before, and I'm down to try. Like, who wouldn't want to try that kind of experience? If an erection falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, it just makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) is he still living his vows that is the question i think i mean maybe if he's a dinosaur and f***ing women i don't think he is really himself and therefore he is still living his catholic vows well whatever happened last night the pastor needs proof so he asked carol if she's got anything he'd wear while they go check out the forest and she does it's an orange dress one that not only washes out his fairly pale complexion but it's also particularly tight fitting around the crotch you can legitimately see his tip here I pointed this out to you because I was like, I think Cooper needs to know that uh, he is showing I almost dumb. missed the hog meat. Yeah, how yeah. would you miss that hog meat? It is <laughs> right above his thighs. It is very, very low there. What's hilarious, though, is after a few behind scenes, you do see that he's covering up his hog meat with some spandex white and black underwear. And I'm like... Well, no, the first they were white, but then they were black. Yeah, it changed midway through. I don't we're know. There's a whole here. bunch of stuff going here. <laughs> Earlier in the movie, I wanted to praise the costumer for the way things were going. And at this point, I'm really? having a lot of trouble. Yeah, there was moments in it where All I was right. like, oh, you've done a good job with I the mean, Frankie costume. Mermaid's costume. That's yeah. yeah, dead yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, having now realized that he probably did, in fact, murder someone, Pastor Doug rushes back to the only safe place he knows, his church. And the good news is he's just in time to give confession. That's the good news. But the bad news is the person who's seeking confession is Frankie Mermaid, and he has got a lot of sins to confess. Stole candy from this baby. Then I threw the baby in the river so it couldn't stitch, obviously. (laughs) And as if that wasn't absurd enough, Frankie Mermaid also reveals that he was the one who blew up the car that killed the pastor's parents. And I don't know about you, but I thought he took that well. Yeah, the pastor is like, oh my God, that was you? He then transitions into the Velocipaster, reaches a fucking claw through the confessional window, like tears it apart, (laughs) and slits Frankie Mermaid's neck. And you know what's the greatest tragedy of this? That we don't see more Frankie Mermaid. Yeah, we've lost the the most colorful character in this entire movie. (laughs) Frankie Mermaid is toast. He bleeds out on the other side of that confession booth, and our Velocipaster has a lot of reckoning to do from here. Oh, God, yeah. He is very rattled right now, so he once again searches for something to hold on to. And what he lands on is Carol, the pre-med, pre-law hooker. This will obviously be complicated, but they've got a plan. Establish a series of rules. But I was confused here. Are these rules for their relationship? Are they going to start f***ing for real? Yeah, soon. I mean, I wasn't sure that they didn't f*** earlier, and she just sort of pulled the wool over his eyes. 
I'm pretty positive she banged him as a the dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, I thought the same thing as a Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah, situation. we're throwing back to Tammy here. I'm pretty sure that she was like, that's the first time I've had sex with a dinosaur, and she was not opposed to it. It's what kept her sticking around here. <laughs> well, either way, they sealed the deal with an enthusiastic high five, which launches us into a life goes on montage. He's exercising in some very short shorts. She is uh, continuing to sell her. P- maybe i don't know and we also see him alternately preaching and murdering guys in dinosaur form presumably they were bad guys i guess uh and at the end of all this he puts his arm around her and she snuggles up to him so movie over yeah we're done he has (laughs) very much in love he has learned to be the velocipastor take out the bad guys that's a part of the rules that they set together and they are going to move forward together, just sort of creating a better society, one that is free of evildoers and one that is full of dinosaur and human vagina sex. <laughs> no, of course, this is not the end of the movie. Uh, there's trouble coming, and that trouble is made in China. We see a- <laughs> This movie does have an anti-China bent. I wonder if you're allowed to watch this in China. I would put bets on this being banned. Well, it never fucking made it to theaters, so can you order a DVD in China? I don't know. Not uh, not this DVD. I'm pretty yeah. sure this one gets shut <laughs> out by their internet police. It's being ardently blocked by China and the Catholic Church. Yes, absolutely. We, uh, we see a bunch of ninjas training where their big boss, or master perhaps, tells his inexplicably white right-hand man his evil plan. And this scene ends with the two of them laughing maniacally, but, like, at varying frequencies. Here, take a listen. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is going on? (laughs) I laughed really hard at this evil villain laugh moment because they were clearly in potentially being ridiculous with it. I thought this was pretty funny. This is one of those moments where you're like, they know what they're doing with this movie, and it's hard not to give them credit for how bullshit this is, but it's also like really, really bad. I struggle with that, but I'm not totally convinced. I really grappled with this as we went through here. Um, Despite that positive montage we saw a few minutes ago, we quickly see that it isn't all roses and communion wafers for Pastor Doug. His mentor slash friend, Father Stewart, has some grave concerns about his new lifestyle and his relationship with that maybe ex-hooker. Maybe? Yeah, he's upset because he doesn't like the relationship between Doug and his Lady of the Night. He feels that her previous experiences have led her to a life of sin and... I'm, I'm kind of curious here because I feel like Stuart should be about the redemption story and he is not showing that for Carol and that has me a little upset. Well, no, but he is showing it for Doug. He's got a solution to Doug's whole dinosaur problem. It's a full-blown exorcism. Doug tries to talk him out of it, suggesting that this might just be a noble calling. I might be on a mission from God himself. That's insane, Doug. God does not want people dead. Oh, I think God wants a lot of people dead. And I'm with Doug on this one. Have you ever read the Bible? Because, spoiler alert, God kills a lot of people in there. Yeah, I think Doug is onto something here. He's been given a bit of an extra talent to turn into a T-Rex and to murder people who are causing problems. So maybe he needs to use this for justice sake. And Father Stewart is not with it. He doesn't believe in this. He feels like there's an issue here. Uh, And this is why he locks him away. He's going to prevent Doug from getting out into the public again. And he's going to be heading with Doug over to an exorcism before he can cause more mayhem in the public. That is true in a minute, but 
before that happens, we get a scene where Doug, locked in that room by Father Stewart, has a lot of time to reflect on his life. And reflect he does via flashback to a conversation with his parents that, when he snaps back to the present, causes Pastor Doug to rip off his priest collar so we can tell that he is really going through something here. They've done a lot of what seem like meaningless flashbacks, and they're going to pay off in the future. And they, I was kind of, really I was very surprised and blown away. Oh, God, you and me both. Uh, as you mentioned, Father Stewart is very concerned about Doug, and he uh, cannot wait for the diocese to send someone to fix him. So he takes Doug to someone else he knows who can maybe help, a disgraced former priest called Altair, who now performs freelance exorcisms. He starts talking to Doug about the situation he finds himself in, but the real high point of this scene happens when Father Stewart drifts off to his own flashback, this one set in the Vietnam War, which looks an awful lot like every other forest scene we've seen in this movie. Seriously, do they film this thing in a five-block radius or... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's so much going on here. The Altair character who's going to perform the exorcism, he clearly looks like a rip-off emo David Blaine. Like, they're trying their best. Chris Angel. You're describing Chris Angel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is definitely Chris Angel. It's so, so bad. When they switch to Nam here, I actually think that the same character is playing one of his Nam friends. But it is a different character. They put they casted such similarly looking people that I was very confused. They're in Nam and they're talking about getting back to the future. And our ish like pastor is pining for his lost love, who is this like sixty five year old woman. <laughs> She's not young. Yeah. I- Listen, I don't know why we're seeing any of this. Like the whole time watching this, we're both like, "What the fuck does this old priest have to do with our main story?" This is just padding, but also extremely dark comedy. Why are we in the China forest? Because it's the exact same forest <laughs> from the beginning. And- no, but he's there. He's he's literally writing a letter to his dead friend's parents. His friend fucking dies. I don't remember. Poor that. poor friend Ali takes it. He gets shot as they're going through a very dramatic moment. This is one of the like most dramatic yet least impactful scenes in a movie I've ever seen in my life. Because there's no reason for it to be here. It's absolutely padding. It relates to nothing. This but his is best a friend 75 dies. minute movie that has padding. It's not even 75. It's 70 minutes. And yes, it has padding. His best friend dies. He's writing a letter to his dead friend's parents. He literally signs it, Dear Ali's Mom and Dad. He's no other fucking names. While this woman that you mentioned that he's in love with, the one that he left behind and is fighting for, just randomly shows up in the Vietnam jungle. And she runs towards him, and he feels great joy like he did a few minutes ago. But right as she gets to him, she steps on a landmine that explodes her into a fine mist. And what I will always remember from this scene is you and I looking at each other, mouths agape, wondering what the fuck is happening here. (laughs) There was no need for this scene at all. None of this. None of it. Stuart, we didn't understand his motivations for being a priest before. Now we understand it's because he was in Nam and his bride was fucking incinerated in front of him. How did she get to the battlefields of Vietnam? There is no way that she could have been there. There's it's also so absurd. There's also no way to know that this would have been the future that he would fucking fall to. He would be there trying to save his friend Doug from being a velocipastor in an exorcism (laughs) situation. Like, there's no way to know that this is what we'd have. And yet, back in the present and what passes for reality in this movie, it's exorcism time. 
But if you can believe it, an exorcism performed by Chris Angel's dirtbag uncle goes horribly sideways as Pastor Doug transforms into a dinosaur creature, or at least a guy with jacked up teeth and slit eyes who's wearing a weird claw puppet on his hand. And that creature seemingly kills Father Stewart, which, and correct me if I'm wrong, you took as a sign that he was in fact evil. Yeah, I mean, this told me, despite the story we just saw of him pining for his love and her getting blown up by a landmine, it seems like Father Stewart must have taken a right turn after that point. Yeah, he turned right into some y- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been suggesting. But you're not, letting that, you're not letting that pass through this fucking monologue, no. but that's all right. Here's what I don't get, though. <laughs> this guy kills Father Stewart, seemingly, but he lets the exorcist, a.k.a. present-day Adam Lambert, live? I don't get it. <laughs> I prefer... I think... So present-day Adam Lambert does not get killed, despite him clearly being the one who should be the victim in this scene. Um, we we see him slash poor Stewart. I'm, I'm actually, fuck that guy. Fuck Stewart. We see him slash Pastor Stewart, who I give zero shits about, but we transition out of here rather quickly. Where do we head from here? We head to, we didn't mention this when Pastor Stewart has a little nom flashback, but he gave us like a big inner monologue where he's like narrating his own life. We cut to another one of those, this time from some random ninja who encounters Pastor Doug in a forest. It's about how he knew this is how he's going to die and reflecting on the love of his own life. And I guess the lesson here is that all lives have stories of their own. Or maybe they just really need to hit that 70-minute mark. It's one or the other. We're really struggling at this point in the movie. You're dragging this thing out, Oh, my God. A lot of the scenes that are happening right now were just like, why the fuck is this still going? And clearly you didn't have enough content to make this a real movie. Dude, um, it's 70 minutes. It's so bad. It's a fucking so, made-for-TV so special. Um, I think the guy here in this shot is the guy who shoots the the Chinese in the start of the movie, right? He is the one who was there and took out the woman who passed along the raptor tooth or whatever the fucking artifact But he himself is Chinese, isn't he? He is, but it's still like following this weird racist trait. Well, but Uh, hang on. But if he's Chinese and he attacks someone else who's Chinese, it's not racist. It's like if I called you a cracker. (laughs) That's still racist regardless of whether you are a cracker or not. Still a racist term to use. I knew you'd say that, you fucking honky. We are way in the fucking weeds of this movie at this point, right? Like, we've gone from an exorcism into this weird ninja situation where they're trying to take down a velocipastor <laughs> who is really just like this lost soul who wants to have sex with a lady named Carol but doesn't <laughs> understand what his, like, dinosaur powers are. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because Pastor Doug is indeed scared now and confused, and he once again reaches out to Carol for support. And she supports him the only way she knows how, by f***ing his brains out. Now, the really weird part of this, though, is the super artsy way they frame this sex scene. There are split screens and different color lighting and all these different framing shots to take us through their whole relationship. I am just so confused right now. What is this late 90s, early 2000s music video doing in the middle of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how I described it. I was like, we are in the middle of a 90s music video right now as we're getting all these weird frame cinematography moments of them like flashing back while they're having sex. The most disappointing part for me is neither of them really get naked and we don't see anything as they're like flashbacking going through this. <laughs> I was I was hoping he and Carol would fully engage and then they would give us that shot. You were upset that her bra never came off. I'll just no, say No, no. The nudity wouldn't have done it for me but it would have felt better if they seem to be naked 
Okay. I can you know already, I mean? I'm already flashing you forward to I mean? your rating. Yeah. And I, I feel like I know the number now because of because this. Because of this? I know what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree. We fade back in on daylight coming through the curtains and Pastor Doug spooning Carol in his tidy whities But this idyllic morning scene is shattered by a cadre of ninjas diving in through the window and attacking both of them. Turns out Carol knows karate too, and they quickly dispatch the ninjas. But one of them, who I thought was the white henchman we saw earlier gives Doug a cryptic warning. Remember your faith, Father Jones. But what does it mean? It means that Father McRae is still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. No. Uh, Yes, Father Stewart uh, is still alive. He wakes up in our next scene in the camp of our big bad and his many ninjas. Father Stewart here wearing an eye patch over his glasses, which is ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous as the reason why the big bad guy brought him here to achieve global dominance by flooding the streets with cocaine that's four times as powerful under the watchful guidance of Christians like Father Stewart himself. I don't even, like, what? This is an indictment of Christianity. They are saying... Oh, oh do you think so, Doctor? They are, they yeah, are saying it might be. that uh, Christianity has used uh, drugs and money and influence to help maintain their power. And this is the moment in which Father Stewart can choose to be a part of it or not. I've and what des- does he choose? I've been describing Do you him want as, to apologize to Father Stewart right now? You do Father want to apologize to him. That's time. right. But what I'm going to say is that he is not down with this plan. He's not okay with making Christianity thrive by getting a whole bunch of people addicted to cocaine. No, man. He tells the big bad to kick rocks. So that same guy stabs Father Stewart through the heart with an arrow. And in our next scene, Pastor Doug reveals via yet another inner monologue that before that white ninja died, he revealed the location of their hideout. So I guess that wasn't the main henchman. This is where I figured it out. Either way, Doug dresses up like Faith Era George Michael and goes to settle the score. It's time to get our leather jacket on and to settle and this the fucking white shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. It's special. The Do inter- you think that's intentional? I don't think George Michael. He's got to have faith. Oh, boy. Right? Come wow. on. Wow. Okay. Maybe you're onto something here. I'm not going to take that away from you. I think that's a good pull. Um, what I'm upset about is the inner monologues at this point. There's been so many of them, and they're all terrible. Every time a movie goes to this, I'm thinking it is the wrong choice. Even in Tank Girl? Even in Tank Girl. I think Ooh, inner monologues are the wrong choice. That's a big admission yeah, by you. Yeah, for a big admission for you. That's a great movie that you fucked, but I that will... I will ass, and I, I will, will stand yeah, by that. No, it's great. I feel like we need to make a movie that is only internal monologues to just be as obtuse and fucked up as possible. I'm going to steal a Norm MacDonald joke to give you the title of that movie. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. I'm Box afraid. Office Poison. <laughs> You think it's not going to go anywhere, huh? Oh, my God. Who would ever want to watch a whole movie of internal monologues? What a fucking nightmare. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to start writing it, and nobody's going to pick it up, and it will burn in a fire of garbage. All right. Well, I mentioned that it's time for Pastor Doug to settle the score, and it turns out this score is going to hit a little closer to home than he might have imagined, as it turns out that that white henchman is his brother, Sam, For real, we get a truly ridiculous sequence here where we revisit those family flashbacks from earlier, only they pan to the side to reveal this guy looking incredibly butthurt. And I'll tell you now, if you had told me 10 minutes ago that this movie couldn't get more ridiculous, I would have lost all the money I have betting that you were right. <laughs> you would have put your mortgage on that this movie has gone I'd as far as it fucking broke. Yeah. Yeah, and it has gone further. So what we found out now is that the... Second in command of the ninjas is actually the Velocipastor's brother. 
He's really angry because the Velocipastor's family loved Doug way more than <laughs> That's him. all it is. He was the favorite son and Sam was not. And this brother v. brother showdown is actually kind of short here. Uh, Sam swears on his ancestors that he will end Doug. But after dropping his sword, Doug uses some kind of raptor force powers to pull it up to his hand and runs his brother through with full gore. Blood is spraying all over his face as he reminds him, your ancestors are my ancestors. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I called that one out like six minutes before it yeah, happened. Yeah, you had that from the jump. Yeah, yeah, I had that from the jump. I was like, you share the same ancestors, and this sword is going to be lethal to either of you. When he fucking jabs his brother without qualms, and then we have that blood splatter, it's actually a pretty good moment. Well, hang on a second. I mean, for it's this movie. For everywhere. This movie. It's yeah. not a good moment, but like the, the fake blood is just, it's a fucking hose. It's all over Sam, the guy who's dying, and then it's all over the Velocipastor's face, and that's going to be on him for the remainder of the movie. Yes, it is, but there is still some movie to go, as there are more ninjas still hanging around, and they come out swinging here quickly and surprisingly killing Carol. Now, she does not die right that second. Instead, Doug scoops her up in his arms, where they share an emotional goodbye. And all I could think of during the scene was, why aren't the ninjas murdering him while this is happening? Do you want to tell everyone the answer, or should I? Well, they're too busy crying. <laughs> <laughs> They are legitimately crying. They cut to these ninjas who are watching this emotional scene and they're fucking, they're like comforting each other. What is happening here? Doug is holding Carol in his arms. She's got a slash across her chest, which he is holding her. And all of these ninjas are like in a ball of emotions themselves. He's kind of letting her go as he's telling her that she did exactly as she should. And she's really the one who's winning this scene by telling him that he's going to fulfill his destiny as a Velocipastor, wiping out all of the evil doing. Well, it turns out that was exactly the motivation he needed as he rises dramatically and basically tells these ninjas that they are fucked. And fucked they are as he once again transforms into a five-foot-tall rubber T-Rex. And the guy in this rubber <laughs> T-Rex costume just starts murdering these dudes. I said it while we were watching this, and I'm saying it again. These are the worst effects I've ever seen in a movie holy fuck i don't understand why this is called velocipastor when it clearly should be called oh god uh priest rex, pastor rex. Is, oh pastor rex is not it bad, should yeah. clearly be called pastor rex this fucking tiny t-rex shreds the shit out of those fucking ninjas as they're fighting there he is in a paper mache costume and his teeth and tiny arms are Fucking smashing these ninjas. See, I think it's rubber. It looks less paper mache than in the first scene. It's still terrible, whatever you fucking made it out of. And he also can't be stopped, or so it seems. But when the big bad emerges from his tent and shoots him in the leg with an arrow, we get an explanation of how all of this happened. See, once all of China was overrun by lizard warriors, but then they developed an anti-venom, which is what the arrow that just skewered Doug is coded in. So, the big bad is feeling strong, but as he gets close, Doug drops a bomb on him. Do you have any last words? pasta! Only six. I think my hand is immune. And he's got the fucking claw puppets on again. What happens next? Oh my god. So, despite being shot in the leg in a very, like dangerous position one that looks like he might bleed out 
He still has the T-Rex hands, and he grabs this master ninja by the head, and he rips that mannequin head off. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not a real head. Oh, my God. From, <laughs> from the back, it looks pretty good. When they turn it around, this movie is not afraid of showing you a mannequin prosthetic. It actually has some kind of fun gore on the bottom of it, but they clearly were not trying to make it look realistic here. Well, it's a fucking lady's mannequin head, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they put giant... The one, they used one earlier, too, and that was also clearly They put giant racist eyebrows on it and made it look <laughs> like the fucking Asian master. Um, but those T-Rex hands yeah. did their job, and they ripped the head off, and that guy is dead, and we're about to get a quote from the Miami Connection and Gandhi. Yeah, man, that's exactly what happens. After ripping off what is so clearly a mannequin head, we get a temporary freeze frame and a quote that we are both 99% sure we saw at the end of Miami Connection. Only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace, which, again, comes after what is just an absurd amount of violence. So much violence. Yeah, man. So I figured the movie was over here, but we actually unfreeze when he remembers Carol. Maybe she's not dead and would benefit from some medical attention, and that's where we cut to next. Pastor Doug is fretting in a waiting room until a doctor arrives to give him the news that we all knew was coming. Carol is fine. She's fine, I said. And with that, we're ready to drive off into a happy ending after confirming the church won't stop, so Doug is going to have to do what he does best transform into a dinosaur and murder more people i guess and then we're out at the 69 minute mark god damn it yeah we are promised that he's gonna go take down that billion dollar catholic industry he's gonna go set things right he's gonna take down all the drug dealers and the fucking rapists and he is ready to do good but we are out after what is a like impressively short showing oh god it's so fucking short how excited were you for a possible velocipastor sequel where he goes after the rest of the catholic church oh i am still waiting i if that does not become a thing i will be more angry than i am for watching this 69 minute piece of shit <laughs> a little short for you was oh well i mean it was short i like the sort of sins that were cast against the catholic church here i like that they're going after the organization that is Catholicism. I like that they're going after organized crime and pimps. That's all grand in my mind. The fucking ninjas take a bad rap here, I think, in terms of general. <laughs> Hold on. You're on the side of the ninjas? I, I think I am in terms of what happens oh in this God. movie. I don't know. Right. There's there's a weird justification of ninjas always being evil, and maybe that's a sense. I didn't grow up in the East, so I'm not right, sure. That's where you gotta get away from this. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like as good a point as any to transition to our ratings. Now that we always do this, we rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the Crit 20. And I don't know about you, but I definitely hadn't heard about this movie before we started doing the podcast, and I have to say, this is exactly the type of movie I pictured when we started this. We've covered some B-movies, this is a C movie, maybe even a D. Like, nothing about this from the sets to the acting to the effects. God, especially the effects is good. And in the past, I've struggled with whether or not that was intentional and whether that should factor into my rating. But in this case, I just don't care. This thing, in my opinion, is serious enough that I am giving it the full 10 for how bad this is. And let's not overlook that there's at least a couple of scenes that we both thought were padding. And this thing is still barely 70 minutes. So that is exceptionally bad. I have this as a 10 out of 10. What about you? 
there's no debating that. This is a 10 bad. There we go. Like, absolutely a 10 bad. The acting is atrocious, although there were moments where Pastor Doug let me believe he was a competent actor. Him and Carol kind of pulled off an occasional moment, but if we're talking about Ruby Stewart, it just didn't happen. The length is awful. The effects are laughable at best. Yeah, of course they are. And they were even laughing at themselves by inserting text and those kind of things. The plot does not make sense. And the fact that they have raptors and T-Rexes, like, confused in this (laughs) movie. So clearly misconstrued, yeah. And I I really wish I knew whether that was intentional or not. I kind of have to assume that it is because... See, I don't think so. so. I think they had the idea and they were like, we need a dinosaur costume and all they could find was T-Rexes. That was the best that someone could create for I think they did a little little fucking uh, hunt around the fucking community and all they could get was a T-Rex costume. They were like, fuck it, it's close enough. Like, if they watched Jurassic Park or read a single book on dinosaurs, they (laughs) would know that that was not a raptor We all know it's not a raptor. I think it's just like, we got to put this guy in some kind of dinosaur thing and it's the easy way to do it. It it makes me so angry that it's so inaccurate in terms of their dinosaur knowledge that like... (laughs) It needs to be a 10 just based on that. All right. Like, if there was nothing else in this movie, the actual factual dinosaur fuck-up is a 10 bad. Well, but there is a lot of other stuff in this movie. Oh, my God. There is so much in this movie (laughs) that lends itself to a 10 bad. There you go. But how enjoyable did you find this movie? Holy shit. This is a much harder rating for me. Um, It was so silly. It was so, (laughs) so silly. I loved how anti-Catholic it was. Oh, come on now. I loved how anti-Ninja it was. Uh, Wait a second, what? Why have the ninjas angered you? The poor ninjas. I actually shouldn't upset ninjas. I felt like they did a raw job on Carol. Like, I feel like they did Carol. Oh, Carol got a raw deal. Yeah, I feel like... A raw job. (laughs) I feel like... They raw Carol. They raw Carol. (laughs) And I mean, she should have at least gotten a condom, is all I'm saying. Like, it was a bit... she's pre-med. You think she'd know about that. pre-med, pre-law. It's just too short. The story's too bullshit. I laughed a lot. I'm not going to lie. And there was a lot of stuff that I thought was really funny, but... I just couldn't pull the trigger on okay. this. Okay. I had it as an eight enjoyability. I, I don't think that you should not watch this. I think people should watch this because it is an experience. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, you should do it. But it does not hit the uh, crit 20 level for me. It is not the same as some of the movies I pulled in that way. Totally fair. I completely respect your rating. And in uh, some ways, I feel the exact same way as you. I am obviously fundamentally against this scandalously short runtime. But as you pointed out last season, better to have it too short than too long. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that 100%. And on that note, I'm actually glad this doesn't go much longer because I'm not sure to keep up this pace. This thing flies by. Like, padding the scenes aside, there were a ton of laughs here, and I absolutely love my experience watching it. To take such a serious world, I'm speaking, of course, about organized religion in the Catholic Church, and turn a priest into a ninja-fighting dinosaur, who, by the way, does not believe that dinosaurs were real. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> that is just the height of ridiculousness. That's true, that's true. Yeah, and not only do they steer into this, they absolutely pull it off. I said it earlier in this episode, and I'm sticking with it. I have this as a 10 out of 10 enjoyable. Oh, it's my God, yes. Crit 20. Yeah, man. I fucking love my time with this movie. Nice. I strongly recommend it. It's exactly what I pictured when we were talking about in this podcast. If you fucking have not seen The Velocipaster, you can spare an hour and nine minutes to watch this yeah. thing. It won't take long. It won't take much of your time. Really enjoyed it. It's a crit 20 from me. You got close, but not quite. We're different sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. How did you feel this beer that we had? It was insanely crushable. 
Uh, I've drank two of them in the time that we record this podcast, and it hasn't been difficult at all. I mean, the Church Brewery, it is a fantastic place to visit. Really cool building and really good beers, and I recommend anyone visit the Church Brewery. I'm going to tell you, they do a good job with classic styles. They crush them. Yeah, I, um, as you know, being a more traditional beer lover than yourself, the fact they aren't like IPA heavy and in line with a lot of the modern craft breweries is actually very appealing to me. They had several styles that I enjoyed very much. Like this to me is exactly what beer should taste like. It is just a classic Pilsner. And much like yourself, I mowed through two of these in no time at all. If you want like lagers, Pilsners, maybe a Dunkel, nothing fruited, nothing fucking super hoppy. This is absolutely a place for you. And the ambiance alone is worth the visit. So I highly recommend the Church Brew Works. Celestial gold, fun to enjoy today. And speaking of things that are gold, we are going to be watching our first black exploitation movie of the season. It's Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's is obviously it, a black exploitation version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm excited for this. I understand the Jekyll and Hyde story. I don't know how they've taken it in the black exploitation world. It's usually up there in terms of like the Blackula and Blackenstein of like the black exploitation horror genre. It's it's going to be one of the prominent ones. Definitely. And we are also going to drink another, or should I say, a couple of other delicious Pittsburgh area beers for that one as well. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, we hope you'll join us for that in two weeks. But before then, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to send us emails, the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Definitely. We always love to hear from you. We thank you for joining us today. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep them prehistoric. A man of the cloth.